The scripture reading for today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Jerusalem, in, excuse me, in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that had been seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It's good to be with you all this morning. As I was preparing for this day, I was struck by the fact that the last two preaching occasions that I've had have been on a transition Sunday, at the end of one liturgical season and at the beginning of another. Last time we celebrated Christ the King Sunday and we pre prepared ourselves for the season of Advent. And this time we transition from the Christmas season and enter into the season of Epiphany. In my reflection, I found an article written about how liturgical seasons present a way for us to receive time as a continual gift. 
The author says, liturgical seasons infuse meaning and mystery into our church life, and living by them helps us to develop a kind of rhythm that allows us to grow in the life of grace. He says that time is meant to become our companion, our friend, our teacher, and that it offers us many invitations to walk into deeper encounters in our faith. And these invitations ask us to say yes to being a part of Christ's redemptive and loving plan, to fulfilling Christ's mission in the world. And he says that as we respond to them, they can lead us to many new beginnings. These new beginnings are a shared journey, a spiritual pilgrimage, as together we walk in the way that leads to life. In reading this article, I was most taken with the idea that our liturgical seasons offer us invitations that saying yes to can lead to new beginnings. And this drew me to think about invitations and how we respond to them in a way that can make a difference for us. I'll tell you about one invitation that made a very big difference for me. When I was in seminary, I had a preaching professor. His name was Ellsworth Callis, who offered me an invitation. He always chose a first-year student to kind of take under his wing, and so he invited me to come and work for him in his office and oversee a tape ministry that he had by which he uh, transmitted sermons to other people. And so this invitation really opened up a door for me, for many others. He invited me to coffee and to conversation when I was still on campus. He invited me to correspond with him once I graduated. He invited me to visit with him when he would come to North Carolina for different teaching engagements. And these invitations led to a relationship that made a difference in my life and my ministry, and it continued on for the next 15 years, culminating in his officiating my marriage ceremony and extending our relationship to my husband. I've thought so many times about what I would have missed out on had I responded differently to those invitations, or had I not responded at all, I couldn't have known where they would lead. What if I had not taken him seriously? What if I had chosen not to take advantage of what he was offering me? What if I had not really recognized the value of it? I would have missed out on a great gift, and it would have been a real shame. As we transition today from Christmas season to Epiphany, we step into a new season of meaning and mystery together. As is our tradition on Epiphany Sunday, we want to turn our attention to that story of the Magi in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And today we want to look at this story through the lens of the invitation that presents itself here, lest we miss out. This story is certainly representative of the kind of shared journey the kind of spiritual pilgrimage that our liturgical seasons invite us into. There is great meaning in this story, but there's some mystery in this story as well. 
there is much that we don't know about the Magi. Most of us kind of place these characters along with the rest of the nativity story. In our minds, we picture Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the barn animals and maybe a few angels and then the Magi in that manger, all present at the birth of Christ. But the truth of the matter is that there's a lot we don't know about the story. Biblical scholars seem to have kind of differing points of view about some of the details. First of all, we aren't totally sure who these men were. We have heard them referred to as magi, as wise men, as kings. We've also heard them referred to as astrologers and even fortune tellers. We don't know how many there were. Some say there were three because of the three gifts presented to Jesus. Some say that there were as many as 12. And we can't be sure where they were from. We know that they were Eastern, but some say they were from Persia, and others say Babylon, and some say they were Jews, and others say they were Gentiles, and we aren't really sure if they were pagans or if they were believers. And we're also not sure of the date of their arrival. Some place them at the birth of Christ, and others place them much later in the story when Jesus was a toddler and the Holy Family had settled into a house. In fact, the text uses the word house to describe where Jesus was. We don't know exactly where these men came from or when, but there are some things that we do know about them, and those things are important. We know that they came from afar, we know that they were guided by a sign that we think to be a star. We know that their purpose was to find Jesus. In fact, they seem to have some special knowledge about the identity of the Christ child. They seem to understand what he came to accomplish in the world, and we know this because of their response to Jesus when they found him. They fell down at his feet, and they worshiped him, and they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense, and myrrh, and these were not the gifts that you would give to a child. These were the gifts that you would give to a king. These were the gifts that you would give to a messiah. The gold represented royalty, and the frankincense deity, and the myrrh, the oil that you would use to embalm someone for burial. Again, these gifts revealed a kind of special knowledge about Jesus, about the redemptive purposes of God. And because of this knowledge, I would say that these men were guided by a power that was beyond themselves. I would say that they were guided by the power of God, and they followed that guidance to great lengths as they traveled hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles to find Jesus. It's like they knew about the invitation that Jesus was offering them. And when they found him, they responded to the invitation in exactly the way that they should have. They responded by paying him homage with joy and with gifts and with worship. And I believe in this, these men were indeed very wise. We don't really see this kind of wisdom in other characters in the story. We certainly don't see it with Herod. When Herod heard about the Christ child, he was frightened and he was furious. He had built a kingdom for himself, and he did so ruthlessly as he really misused his power. He didn't want anyone threatening his position threatening his influence, not even Jesus. He didn't care about the kind of invitation 
that he offered. Upon hearing about the Magi's intentions to find Jesus, he sought to trick them into revealing the location of the child, and he did this so that he could kill him. The wise men were too wise for Herod, though. They saw through the scheme, and after finding the child, they returned to their homes by a different route. It's obvious that Herod didn't understand what Christ came to offer. He was distracted by his pursuit of power. He missed the whole point of the invitation. He didn't care about Jesus's mission. He only cared about what he stood to lose. He obviously didn't understand what everyone (laughs) stood to gain. He showed no evidence of knowledge of the purpose of the incarnate Christ and his contemporaries, the chief priests, were really in the same boat. You would think that in hearing about the Christ child, they would have made that short trip to Bethlehem to see him. You would think that curiosity alone would have led them to investigate. If there was even a chance that this child was the promised Messiah, they would want to know about it. They knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecies. They were the authority on those things. They knew what the Messiah came to offer the world. And yet, they made no movement towards the manger. They stayed behind with Herod, clinging to what they knew, instead of embracing what they didn't believe or couldn't understand. Maybe they didn't think that they needed a savior. Maybe they thought they were above all that. (laughs) Maybe they thought they were educated enough and wise enough and knowledgeable enough to continue in their role without them. Maybe they didn't really believe that they needed forgiveness. And so in their pride and their indifference, they missed out on the one that they needed the most. They missed out on Jesus. And that's the difference between the wise men and the other characters in our story. And it's where the significance of the story lies, I believe, especially since this story comes from the book of Matthew that is always emphasizing Jesus as the prophesied Messiah. It didn't really matter who these magi were, where they came from, when they came, their significance is that they recognized who Jesus was and what he came to do. They sought Jesus because they recognized the invitation that Jesus offered them. Herod and the chief priests did not recognize it, so their responses were quite different. Herod responded with violence. He went on ruling ruthlessly and trying to dethrone Jesus. And he even proceeded to kill all the boys under two years old who were living in the place where he thought Jesus was. And the chief priests just didn't respond at all. They decided to ignore the Messiah. They went on with business as usual. And so they all missed out on Jesus. They missed out on a relationship that could have changed their lives. They missed out on being a part of the redemption of the world. And we really have to be careful that we are not like them, friends. That's the lesson for us in this story When God led those magi to the Christ child, he was offering them a new beginning. He was inviting them into a new relationship. He was offering them a deeper pursuit of an encounter with Christ. He was inviting them to be a part of the redemption of the world, and that's the same invitation that he invites each of us into every day. 
With each new year, each new season, each new day, he invites us into this new beginning, into this new relationship. And we have to be careful not to get distracted (laughs) and to miss out on Jesus and the invitation that he offers for any reason. And there are lots of reasons that we could miss out, aren't there? We could miss out because we don't want to give up power or control. We could miss out because of our lack of belief or understanding. We could miss out because of our desire for business as usual. We could even miss out because, like the chief priests, we don't think we need a savior. Maybe we think we're good enough and smart enough and knowledgeable enough without him. Maybe we don't think that we need the forgiveness that he offers. But we don't want to ignore the invitation that we find here. We want to say yes to the new beginning. We want to say yes to the new relationship that Christ offers us. This January, as we start a new year, as we start a new season, we are going to be offering you all an invitation. It's the same kind of invitation that we find in this text for today. It's an invitation to a new beginning, to a deeper pursuit of an encounter with Jesus. It's an invitation to worship him with heart and with life and to take part in fulfilling his mission in the world. It's an invitation that has the potential to change your life. And the invitation is for us to join together in a church-wide study of the book Apprenticeship with Jesus that was written by Gary Moon. You've seen the announcements about it. And so this is really an opportunity for us to learn from a fellow traveler lessons about being with Jesus day in and day out, learning from him, becoming his apprentices. And it's an invitation that we hope you won't miss out on but we'll say yes to. And you can say yes in so many different ways, by listening to the sermons, by reading the book, by engaging with a small group or a Sunday school class for discussion. It's an opportunity for us as a church to join together in this kind of shared journey, this spiritual pilgrimage as we grow in the life of grace together. And we believe that it is an opportunity that could be a real gift for us, making a difference for each of us and for all of us. So we hope that you'll respond to the invitation and take advantage of the opportunity as together, as a community of faith, we might walk in the way that leads to life so that we won't miss out on Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.